Welcome to Talking Property, where you get the inside information into what's going on in the Australian and Asian property markets from leading property and investment experts. Welcome to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property podcast. My guests today are Simon Hewlett, the Head of Direct Investment at MaxCap Group, and Ryan Banting, at ex- the Executive General Manager of Social Infrastructure at Australian Unity. Uh, welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. Thanks, Nelson. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Nelson. Good to be here too. I wanted to discuss about the uh, student accommodation or the PBSA sector today. Um, But first of all, before we go into that, um, would one of you gentlemen like to start and introduce yourselves and also what uh, you do at uh, your respective organisations? Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to to jump in. So... Mm -hmm. um, so as Simon Hewlett, so I head up uh, direct investment at MaxCap Group. So what that what our team does is essentially we're responsible for undertaking equity joint venture uh, investments in the commercial real estate space, primarily uh, in the development space or across the country. Um, so we participate with you know some of um, Australia's leading. Uh, developers and and asset owners in uh, joint ventures to create new assets um, and and operate and manage new assets uh, assets as well um, across all different real estate sectors you know residential uh, industrial and logistics hotels office retail um, we have sort of covered the the full gambit of the the real estate sector so um, we have a, a growing portfolio um, and we are currently, you know, we form part of the broader MaxCap group, which is um, Australia's sort of leading uh, non-bank lender as well with around mm-hmm. $7 billion of funds under management at the moment. Mm. Ryan, would you want to have a go now? Thanks, Nelson. Yes. Um, my name's Ryan Banting and I lead the Australian Unity Social Infrastructure Investment Business. Uh, there are principally kind of three or four parts to that. Um, we have a number of, um, of bespoke social infrastructure funds and social infrastructure for Australian Unity is, is focused on those areas that have a, a health or well-being um, element to them. So things like childcare, uh, disability accommodation, uh, retirement living and aged care, as well as student accommodation, which we're obviously here to talk about today. Yes. Um, I uh, also within my business, I'm responsible for leading our retirement village um, operating business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I manage all of the Australian Unity Group's real assets across retirement and aged care, and also work on the partnerships and entry into new sectors that are um, that are represented by the kind of strategic partnership we've created with both MaxCap and UniLodge to deliver a, uh, a student accommodation portfolio, um, one, once again, which is the subject of today's conversation. Mm. And this is why we'll, we'll jump into it. And, you know, to looking at the student accommodation sector in Australia, um, now we've got the recovery. We've now seen tw- uh, around 725 students now are now studying in Australia, up from uh, 555,000 a year ago. Um can you give us a sort of a, a view or, or sort of a, an overview of how that sector has recovered 
post-COVID, because obviously when the borders were closed, we couldn't have students, you know, come in from overseas and et cetera. But how has the sector recovered post-COVID and how has that evolved? And um, yeah, why is it so compelling now for groups like MaxCap and Australian Unity? Yeah, I think that the, yeah, the PBSA sector, the purpose-built student accommodation sector is is a really interesting one. And, you know, there's a couple of, um, you know, key macro factors that we look at in mm. in assessing the sector. Has How has the sector recovered? The sector has recovered very well off the back of, of COVID. And, you know, primarily you look at something that is highly resilient, which is Australia's education sector. So, you know, a $43 billion um, sector in Australia, it's our uh, fourth largest um, service export um, that accounts for around sort of 6% uh, of total exports in Australia. So it's a really significant mm-hmm. contributor and Australia bats well above its average um, on a global basis as it relates to education and particularly the higher education sector as well. So that's um, that's recovered very well. You know, post-COVID, we saw a, a drop in international students during the COVID time, but that's bounced back significantly and the number you mentioned of 725,000 mm. is rapidly on its way to to a million um is wow. being forecast into uh into 2025 to to be hitting sort of a million so when we look at that um that sector and the resilience of, of education as a sector and an offering and then we overlay that with the significant sort of housing crisis and you know live broader living and accommodation crisis that we that we have and that we're going to continue to face in Australia, um, you, you piece that together and you look at the limited new activations across Australia in terms of delivering new um, residential accommodation for not only residents but for students and, and everyone else alike due to all the cost pressures that have been, um, that we've all suffered over the last couple of years. So there's a significant crisis there and what that means is that this market of student accommodation is heavily undersupplied, um, but also comes with a growing, a heavily growing demand as well. So when we put those factors together and, and very simply look at a significant imbalance in supply and demand and a growing imbalance in supply and demand as we move forward, that the sector for us makes a lot of sense from a, a real estate investment perspective mm-hmm. and obviously also then um, you know, com- combining um, you know, partnering up with groups of the like of Australian Unity and Unilodge to to create a portfolio around that sector. So there's a lot, when we look at the research that sits behind all of this, and we've done a significant amount of work in, you know, before we invested into the sector in really targeting this sector, um, we think there is a lot to like and we're very high conviction around it. So when we look at like the market penetration rate, uh, comparing Australia to the world, what does it look like, particularly like, you know, the markets in the UK and uh, and uh, uh, USA? Yeah, look, pe- the penetration rate in Australia is is extremely low on a relative mm-hmm. basis. So, you know, when we, the UK is a great um, comparator for us here in Australia. You know, the UK is a very well-established, has a very well-established education sector and, you know, between the UK and the US, you know, certainly lead the world in terms of, um, the the 
highest ranked you know universities around the world and then yeah. and australia sits third in that in that race right so we've got seven out of the top hundred so seven percent which again for us in terms of the size of our population is significant so we have around 1.6 million undergraduate students, which is the same as the UK. So mm-hmm. um, if you think about the number of undergrad students being the same, but the, non- the number of student accommodation beds, we have 100,000, they have right. 750,000. So we have a penetration rate of about 6%. They have a penetration rate of 45%, which tells us that we are significantly undersupplied in that space. Mm. So, Ryan, what does that sort of uh, tell you when you look at those figures that, you know, we've got 6% compared to the UK, which is a substantially higher, and they've got 700,000 beds and we've got, you know, only 100,000. What does that say about opportunities, uh, you know, in the sector? Yeah, Nelson, I think um, it, what it does is it just signals the kind of opportunity there is for really high quality student accommodation assets with mm-hmm. services that are delivered by uh, a really high quality operator. Um, and when you when you consider you know, that opportunity, and you know, I think the numbers really speak for themselves, what you then start to do is think about, well, where are the students coming from? And yeah, you know, and what universities are they going into? Because it's not a homogenous market. You know, mm-hmm. there are um, universities around Australia have different profiles, um, both onshore and offshore, and yeah, you know, and each of those universities, you know, will have a um, will will appeal to a different cohort of students, both onshore and offshore. So what we need to do is make sure that we consider. Um, both the target market, so those students, whether they're domestic or international, where they're coming from, um, what their means are, so what kind of rent they might be able to pay, and mm. build product that is appropriate in each of the in each of the target markets that allows um, that allows those students, those target students, to be able to occupy really high quality accommodation uh, near educational institutions that they're going to. Yeah, an example um, that we have is the Hurston Quarter student accommodation asset in Brisbane. Um, mm-hmm. It was the refurbishment of uh, of a heritage building, but we we deliberately targeted uh, students from Southeast Asian nations um, because we could see that that's um, they were the the target. They were the source market for a lot of the courses that are very proximate to the location of that student accommodation asset. Mm -hmm. And therefore we designed the rooms um, and refurbished the building, pricing those rooms at, at a price point that was affordable for those students. So it's, the overarching macroeconomic theory remains remains kind of very very solid, and then it's about picking um, picking the idea of t- designing and delivering a product that meets a target market requirement. Mm. I, I now think, we, I think yeah. I was the the other mm. yeah Nelson when we think about obviously there's a lot um, there's a lot of noise at the moment around you know the lack of available housing um, yes. rental prices you know surging through the roof. Um, and the cost of living challenges that we're having, and so when we when you talk about that penetration rate and how low that penetration rate is for student accommodation, what that means is that you've got these students are out there occupying a lot of the private rental market that yeah. is available, particularly in CBDs and and around the educational edu- institutions. So that's taking private rentals out of the market for 
local residents and others who are looking for a for a rental and and driving prices up as well. That's mm. also into the built to rent sector that is in Australia is you know obviously still in its nascent stages, but is largely occupied by students as well. Mm. Um, so all of that is you know the lack of quality student accommodation for these these growing number of international students that we welcome into into Australia um, is having a significant sort of knock-on effect uh, in the in the housing space in Australia. So that's why we need to create more supply. Mm. Now, this is uh, talking about supply and Australian Unity and MaxCap uh, recently, you know, formed the partnership. I think it was last year. Um, so how many units or, sorry, how many beds are you looking to deliver uh, across Australia uh, under this partnership? What are you targeting? We've got a, um, you're right, uh, Nelson, the partnership with um, with MaxCap is a fantastic partnership. It draws on the strengths of um, of both of our organisations mm-hmm. and and it aims to deploy private capital to solve some of those those really challenging um, accommodation problems that that face Australia today so our our objective with the partnership with you know, with Unilodge as the operating partner is to deliver a portfolio that will um, that will kind of uh, offer some five thousand beds across Australia. Uh, now that will be um, that will be focused on key population centres uh, as well as key um, key educational precincts and key educational centres. Um, but you know that will will clearly target both international and domestic students and as Simon says alleviate some of the demand on private residential accommodation uh, in the meantime as well yeah absolutely I, I think um, the domain vacancy report that was out this week uh, now point points to I think vacancy rates are now down to 0.8 percent again uh, across yeah. Australia so the market just and there's sort of no end in sight in terms of the you know the market sort of getting new supply it, it takes a while for you know to, to deliver any new supply into the housing market so I don't foresee that uh, yeah the, the, the yeah, vacancy rates increasing. I think you're absolutely right and mm. you know we've obviously uh, as a business it's actively you know continues to actively participate in the in the development market it's been very hard to activate you know, new projects and new supply um, over the last couple of years with you know, rising construction costs and interest um, interest costs going up. It's been it's been very very challenging. So we're seeing a lot less new supply coming into the market, lots, a lot less cranes um, you know, across our skyline, which is you know something we need to um, we need to push forward against. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Now, gentlemen, I want to talk about sort of um, risks in the sector as well. Um, I know, uh, you know, the, the government in Australia has recently announced um, a crackdown on student visas, but it doesn't necessarily affect the PBSA sector. It's a different, um, you know, they talk about the rotting of the system by some of these colleges um, so and language schools. Uh, so I wanted to go into that and look at what are the risks in the student accommodation sector 
and how can changes in government policies impact the sector? I, I might just take a, an initial stab at that, Ryan, if, yeah. if that's okay, just at a high sure. level. So I guess my our initial view is that what the government has done is uh, it's essentially a, a populist decision to focus on the demand side of you know this challenge we were talking about, which is which is both a demand and a supply mm. issue. So they've sort of tried to take a short-term view on um, the demand side, which is net overseas migration, right. um, and a part of that is um, is international students and tightening access to the international student migration system. Um, I, I think that more importantly, what what we need to focus on is is the long term. Um, solution, which is more a supply solution than um, focusing on demand. Mm. Um, but generally, in terms of what the, the action the government has taken is more focused on those who are trying to come here, you know, either for a holiday or to work. Um, and as you say, sort of brought the system a little bit in relation mm. to these student visas. Um, we think it's, it's very much uh, it's very unlikely to impact on universities and, and higher education. Um, it's there are there are rigorous sort of processes and protocols in place around that, and also you know you've got vocational and sort of English English language schools and whatnot that have a, a much lower barrier to entry. So we think that they're going to be more exposed to that, um, and we think that the you know, ultimately what the government is trying to do is improve the quality of the international student market. Um, and that's only going to benefit the universities and, and other sort of higher, higher education institutions. So we think actually for, for, for our strategy um, and given that, you know, when we talk to UniLodge, UniLodge only have around a 10% exposure to those sort of, you know, vocational institutions and, you know, ESL um, students. And so, you know, we, therefore we see sort of pretty low risk around uh, those changes that are being implemented. And what about um, planning delays and constructions? What, what's happening on that front? Uh, and I know this is only the start of the year or, we, you know, we're recording this in February. Um, where do you sort of, what, what's your view of uh, the year ahead for it? Is it, are we looking at construction costs are stabilising? Um, are governments more proactive in pushing for these developments uh, of, uh, you know, student accommodation? Yeah, look, Nelson, um, just regarding planning, I think um, I think there's a growing awareness of uh, of the requirement for you know, for local planning authorities, or you know, in the case where state governments have a say in uh, in some of the planning outcomes, um, mm -hmm. our our healthcare and wellbeing precinct at Hurston Quarter has a, a priority development overlay, so a, a state government overlay on on some of the planning controls there. Um, what we're seeing is is this acknowledgement that. Um, an increasing level of densification, particularly you know, closer to the city, particularly closer to uh, to education institutions and and major hubs, is um, is becoming more more commonplace and becoming more accepted. And so, all of our um, all of our projects at the moment, whether they're um, student accommodation that's kind of coming up out of the ground, which is you know the first project in Perth, mm -hmm. or subsequent projects which we're in diligence on. Point to you know, point to a, a relatively smooth pathway through through planning controls. Um, 
planning controls will always be uh, you know, a challenge for developers who will want more floor space, greater height, et cetera. Um, mm. But we think we've struck a really nice balance, particularly because you know, local councils realise that the delivery of student accommodation eases the burden on private residential accommodation in local areas and, in fact, adds amenity and increases um, you know, the vibrancy of, of local areas because you Absolutely. get you know, yeah. seven, 700 or 1,000 new students coming in that yeah. support things like cafes and restaurants and, and other areas. So, yeah, yeah. so that's planning. Um, construction costs, what we've seen towards particularly the, you know, the second half of, uh, of calendar year 23 and probably a little too, too soon in calendar 24 is, um, is a plateauing of some of the more rapid price increases that we'd seen through 22 and early 23. Right. Now that, that isn't to say that, you know, that um, you know, some of the input cost increases uh, are all behind us and we're starting to see that plateau or even potentially kind of um, come off because, you know, there are still kind of global supply chain challenges, just like there are skilled labour shortages. And when you've got a significant amount of construction in any particular geographic area, so if you think about Brisbane, you know, not just today, but also into the future mm. um, as it prepares for the Olympics, you know, we see that there, there's the potential for, you know, for cost escalation and, you know, and um, subcontractor um, price escalation feeding into the system, which challenges the feasibility of, uh, of development projects. So, you know, for us, the, the balance is just trying to find affordable, you know, affordable land in key areas that meet development controls and then working with, you know, working with our designers to design the right product at the right price point, builders that, you know, that we develop relationships with and partnerships with to deliver really high quality uh, accommodation. Um, yeah, in an environment where we need it, um, but we just, you know, we need to manage, you know, we need to manage the feasibility inputs for it as well. Mm. And we touched upon this earlier, you know, comparing uh, our markets to the major markets of US and UK. Um, often we do sort of see the trends that they've got developing overseas and then we adopt it. So I want to touch upon that and look at what trends and data that you have both observed and what's in store for the uh, for our local sector here uh, in terms of, you know, innovation, sustainabilities and things and student preferences too, what they want um, from different key markets when they, you know, come into Australia. Yeah, Ryan, you're probably yeah. the best place to answer that given the experience you guys are having in up at Hurston. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Look, we... Um, we we certainly see a trend to towards more green, more sustainable buildings, um, Nelson, and that's both um, that's both in construction, but also in operation. Uh, right. A lot of the students um, you know, are really conscious and aware of their own footprints, mm -hmm. and so you know, so the idea of um, the idea of something that is more sustainable. Uh, is really appealing to them, and we've seen that just in in kind of incremental um, adaptations at our at our Hurston asset, where you know we now have um, really high technology recycling um, recycling uh, vending machines that that provide on the spot kind of cash rebates for some of our students to recycle aluminium cans and plastic water bottles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
we you know, we use um, our, our cooking areas and our um, and our MasterChef style kitchens you know, are really designed to provide for both economical but cost efficient ways of meal preparation. Otherwise, you know the the immediate kind of response to COVID of you know, of moving away from shared accommodation has probably started to wane, and we've really seen that um, in the last twelve months or so. Um, Students are, you know, are looking for more affordable accommodation, particularly as as rents increase. So mm. twin rooms or you know or multi share rooms uh, are certainly much more um, are much more popular now than probably what they were two years ago. Um, you know, technology, the the incorporation of technology through you know through buildings, but outside buildings is really quite important. And you know, and how operators support. Um, support students through pastoral care programs um, becomes you know, becomes really quite important, particularly when student accommodation uh, is is the preferred method of accommodation for first year and second year students who might be new to a given area, whether it's you know they've travelled from Western Australia to to Newcastle to do a degree, or they've travelled mm-hmm. from you know, from Southeast Asia into Australia to to do a degree, having the support network, having the pastoral care that that can guide and and encourage and create a community is really important for these students. Otherwise, it's it's what you see in any kind of uh, accommodation. You know, good gyms are fantastic. Um, little you know movie rooms, if there's the ability to create them, are, are really well attended. Game spaces and um, and those community spaces are fantastic because you know, essentially the, this is what, what we're building our people's homes and so we yeah. want to make it as you know as enjoyable for them to live in as we possibly can. I think that one of the you know um, one of the key things probably in terms of that post pandemic evolution of product has probably just been um, in relation to bathrooms and Ryan I'm sure we've sort of talked about this in terms of the product that we want to deliver as a partnership moving forward and, you know, with Unilodge as well, that there is a significant increase in demand for, you know, ensuring that every every bed has a has an ensuite bathroom. Right. Um, yep. Rather than sort of, um, you know, maybe older product that had sort of, you know, shared um, bathroom facilities that is, you know, I think that's one thing that in, a, in the post-COVID um, environment seems to become a much stronger preference uh, for those students is making sure they do have their own their own ensuite that you know those are those ensuites might just be they're just little pods that can be brought in and um, they they do the job but I think that is something that is certainly being integrated into sort of all new product design and and that's where you know the evolution of the PBSA product itself and you know how we differentiate from um, uh, older style product versus newer style product. You know, Nelson, when we look at mm. the office market, we talk about A grade and B grade and premium grade office. Um, but in the PBSA sector, you know, there's been no evolution around the actual um, assessment of the quality of the product, right? So we talk right. about the product as a whole and there's, you know, 80,000 beds, and but we don't talk about, well, how much of that is um, older style product that has a risk of obsolescence tied to it because it's mm-hmm. not meeting the preferences of students in the current environment. Um, and we think that, you know, there is um, genuine opportunity again to, to deliver that sort of product um, that is meeting the preferences of students students now and into the future. Um, and that there is a risk of, you know, some of the older product being becoming a sort of fairly obsolete. 
Mm. And, and I wanted to look at that in terms of um, the, the existing uh, products that we've got. What's the occupancy rate across the sector right now? Do you know? And also, what does that sort of tell us about, you know, the affordability and the challenges uh, and also the, you know, the rental supply market? Uh, I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, Ron, we've, you know, we've just done, um, you know, we've just started construction on our, our first uh, asset in Perth CBD. And, you know, when you look at the Perth market as, as an example, mm-hmm. um, with around 7,000 beds, there were, I think there were seven beds that we could find available wow. in that okay. market. So, you know, it was... Um, a very very small. It's essentially, it's essentially <laughs> yeah. no. There's no vacancy, right? And um, mm. when we talk to Unilodge, you know, Unilodge are the dominant player in the PBSA operator market. They manage you know over forty thousand, so over fifty percent of the beds in the market, and mm. they they are consistently operating around that sort of ninety five percent occupancy rate because obviously they have some natural churn natural turnover semester by semester. But what that also provides is a great inflationary hedge as a product as well. So you're able to, you know, assess your rents every, every semester. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it becomes quite a, it's a very sophisticated product in, in that sense. But in terms of vacancy, I would say um, very, very low. Um, And Brian, you might be able to talk to your experience um, as well. Yeah, it's um, thanks, Simon. It is it is really low, Nelson. We we are seeing our Hurston asset just as a, a very simple example, running at the high ninety percent, ninety five plus percent occupancy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what we're and what we're seeing, and this goes to Simon's kind of anecdotal point, um, we've been able to we've been able to increase our um, the rental rates for each of our rooms um, on average. Yeah, about 15% for each of the last couple of years. So, you know, we've had 33-plus percent increase in the average rent per bed per week um, mm. from February 22 to February 24. And that's, you know, that talks to, um, that talks to the increase demand from both domestic and international students, um, as well as the lack of supply in the marketplace. So that's that's enabled kind of rental responses to really pick up. And, you know, and then when we look at that for what that means for investor returns, it becomes a really attractive alternate asset that provides consistent kind of consistent yield um, and exposure to, to underlying accommodation themes that are supported by you know, by strong macroeconomic fundamentals mm-hmm. and yeah and yeah and broader kind of government policy settings. So you know, it's it's been a it's been a really positive trend going through. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Uh, and, and I think that, like, to that point about the attractiveness as an investment, Ryan, you know, I guess what we've seen is the maturity of these student accommodation markets in the UK and across Europe and in the US where there's, yes. you know, there's highly sophisticated um, 
capital structures, there's significant institutional capital investment um, across those sectors. Whereas in Australia, it's still very fragmented. We still have a very fragmented market, both from an owner and an, and an operator perspective. Mm. Um, and I think that that um, what that provides is is significant opportunity uh, for, and we've got a lot of um, offshore capital who understand those global markets and are looking at Australia now and um, you know doing the you know working with us doing the same research and understanding the the opportunity that exists here um, and that they're likely that yields are likely likely to remain you know stable. Um, if not tighten, you know, as this market continues to improve and get more sophisticated. Mm, absolutely. I think this is the, you know, we look at the global markets and we look at the global trends, what's happening in UK, uh, US, and as you said as well, the European markets versus what we've got here in Australia. And as you mentioned earlier, we have a market penetration rate of just 5% or 6%, sorry. Um, so, I wanted to look at now like the partnership between MaxCap, Australian Unity and UniLodge and what the strategy is, um, you know, how are we going to scale up from that 6% market penetration rate and increase it to, let's say, 10%, 15%, 20%. So as you said before, we've got similar student numbers to the UK, but we've our, uh, we're severely undersupplied. So how do we overcome this and wh- where do we start? Oh, Simon, do you want to do you want to take the lead on that one? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Yeah, I, I think that for um, I think that for the Australian market, it is about attracting um, some of that you know significant global capital into the market here. Firstly, so we obviously need we need the capital to be able to to deliver the product. Um, I think there is, as I said, it's a very fragmented market. I think there's certainly going to be opportunities for consolidation within that market, which can lead to to greater growth and and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Ryan talked earlier about about planning, um, about you know, state governments and and local councils understanding, you know, the need for this type of product. Um, I think we've seen, yeah, you know, we're starting to see those construction prices stabilise. Um, which gives us, you know, more confidence around around delivering these because they are they are obviously quite capital intensive um, when we look at delivering them. Um, the availability of sites and um, the cost of the underlying land is starting to you know normalise a little bit as well relative to you know across the, the feasibility analysis that are being undertaken. So, and I think working closely with um, on the on the demand side, working closely with the universities and understanding their forward needs, their forward projections. Um, And, you know, I think the relationships between the universities, the operators like UniLodge and and credit to UniLodge for, you know, the approach that they have taken um, and their their commitment to the Australian market here, um, you know, they they underpin this market. and so I think their relationships with the universities, um, groups like ourselves, groups like Australian Unity, you know, the partnerships that we're creating so we can work in partnership with the universities, take a programmatic approach and a long-term view. Um, I think that's really where the opportunity is going to become. Again, it's about, you know, this this sector, there's a huge amount of space for, for sophistication and for growth and um 
and institutionalization and that's really what we're looking to bring to it mm. i think yeah look I, I i think simon's simon's spot on nelson um it's important to realize you know, our ambition to deliver 5000 beds will add 6% more beds into the market so mm-hmm. you know we we're not you know we're not going to solve the problem overnight this will be mm-hmm. a, a structural change that will need continued private capital investment for for years and years to come what we've done though is we've drawn on um you know on you know the really um you know, the demonstra- demonstrably strong business operations and you know, and pastoral care program that UniLodge bring. Um, Simon mentioned, yeah, they're already the preeminent provider in the Australian and New Zealand market with a strength of relationships and networks into you know, into some of our target markets um, to attract students to the right kinds of accommodation. So you, know, you pick your right operator. Um, you then pick your right working capital partner. And you know, and fortunately, what we've seen is um, is this real compatibility between MaxCap and Australian Unity, where we can each play to our strengths. You know, we've got um, we've got a, a team that has focused on delivered and managed student accommodation over the last four or five plus years. You know, we've delivered um, delivered assets and we manage assets in conjunction with UniLodge at the moment. And so we bring that to you know to a partnership with MaxCap, who you know, are a proven um, investment manager, um, have a have a proven kind of capacity to raise capital. And so, you know, with Australian Unity and the groups, you know, the group investment that we bring, um, this kind of this, um, I suppose, this network of partnerships will will allow us to bring to life uh, a portfolio that will alleviate some of that demand and deliver high quality, you know, really attractive product that will deliver fantastic outcomes for all investors. Yeah. And talking about this and the partnership between these three organizations here, um, the fund that you've announced or the partnership is the, the a billion dollars to deliver uh, student accommodation across Australia. The initial asset was in Perth. I wanted to understand or I want you both to help our listeners understand what was the decision behind picking Perth as the initial uh, seed asset and also where else do you see opportunities obviously you're going to say <laughs> nationally we're going to see a lot of opportunities but aside from Perth where which other cities are, are you targeting and why um, look I there were some certain certain elements of of Perth were quite opportunistic for us um, mm-hmm. you know quite honestly Nelson and yeah, and we have a partner in Serona Urban um, who's helping us who's helping us out you know, on that uh, on the Perth asset. Serona are a you know a West Australian based um, developer and and manager and you know, have got their own relationships um, within the the West Australian market. Yeah, but that asset um, that asset was was really attractive. It had um, it had it, it had been or a certain part of it had been delivered so you know there was uh, a great deal of kind of planning risk in ground risk around contamination civils and and so forth that had been mitigated prior to the consortium that we've created this partnership um, stepping into that uh, as a consequence you know it's it's allowed us to accelerate a delivery program and that delivery program neatly and you know quite coincidentally coincides with um, with the same 
the same delivery time frame of the Edith Cowan University campus, which yes. is being delivered you know, in, in early 26. So what we'll see is you know, the Perth Edith Cowan campus will come online at the same time that the student accommodation asset comes online. And so you know, with, that, um, with, you know, with that coinciding you know, with each other, um, we're anticipating really strong demand for the student accommodation in the Perth CBD. Mm. Uh, outside, I think, outside I think the also Perth, the back run that you're delivering that into a market with zero vacancy right. and dropping 10,000 new students into the CBD, it's... Um, there's going to be a, that's going to be some challenge. challenges. Yeah, for sure, for the rental market. Mm. Yeah, and then outside outside Perth, it's it's a matter of looking at you know where where do we see you know, a material supply demand imbalance? Where has there been investment by you know, by state governments, by universities, um, where there has been underinvestment in student accommodation? So. You know, we will look at some of the major population centres because what we're looking to achieve is a diversified portfolio. We don't right. want to have a, you know, a concentration in one geographic area to one particular target market. What we'd like is that diversified exposure. So we'll continue to look at, um, you know, at Brisbane as a market, uh, at Sydney, at Melbourne, but we'll also kind of expand to look at you know areas like Newcastle or um, or, or Adelaide, you know, just like we've looked at Perth, um, and then you know, and then it and then it's a matter of you know, how do we identify you know the right kind of land parcels in the right locations that we might be able to to combine to create um, to create the delivered opportunity. So you know. There's a there's a team and it's it consists of you know, as many Australian Unity people as MaxCap people that are looking more nationally at you know at filling the pipeline, running initial diligence to determine you know what are those uh, opportunities that are worth a more detailed investigation. Hmm. I think uh, I think guys, the one of the great things about that's fairly unique to student accommodation is the fact that it is largely geographically agnostic, right? So you, yes. Um, we are absolutely going to be focusing on the the major centres, but yes. given the strength of um, the education sector and, and how strong some of these universities are in non-core locations, and how large some of the universities are in whether it's suburban or regional locations, whether it's the University of Newcastle, whether it's Griffith up on the Gold Coast, you know there are genuine um, long-term investment opportunities that are underpinned by the, by the educational institutions, right? So I think that's what makes the sector quite, you know, very appealing as well, is that there is um, that element of, you know, it being geographically agnostic. Absolutely. I think that was what something I wanted to touch upon too. When we talk about the sector, sometimes I think we just gloss over it and just say, oh, well, that's the student accommodation sector. But um, what we're saying is mostly, you know, major cities, uh, uh inner city concentrated type uh, markets, but you're seeing a lot more developments too in the regional uh, areas, right? It, it, the regional universities have also set their own growth targets. So what does that mean or, you know, what opportunities does that create for the sector? Uh, oh, look, I think that um, certainly the, I think from for the sector that the sector, obviously from a, an investment perspective and a long-term investment perspective, 
that we need to find the right balance between investing in the major centres and then looking Mm -hmm. at, you know, regional opportunities and whatnot as well. But Mm -hmm. I think, again, that comes back to the point about partnerships. How can you partner with, um, with these universities to understand you know, their, their long-term goals, their, their long-term strategies, their growth projections. Um, does the university want to um, de-risk the, the investment that you're going to put into that region by you know, underwriting a part of your occupancy? Um, there's ways and means of making those, you know, regional investments attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think that all comes back to the, the partnership piece and how you work with not only the universities, but with the, the local council, the local government and the state government as well. Brian, did you want to add anything? Yeah, uh, look, I think, um, yeah, I think Simon kind of, Simon referenced that. But what we're seeing is, an increasing an increasing interaction with the universities who are looking to solve their own um, their own accommodation challenges. Yes, uh, because if you if you think about each university, their business model is built on you know, on students attending courses, mm-hmm. and yeah, and whether they are you know, domestic students either full fee paying or you know deferred fee paying, so hex. or their international students who are who are fee paying, having you know, having a having students be able to attend courses enables their business model. So you know, our engagement with um, with some of the education institutions and our observation about how some of the universities are engaging with the market to procure new student accommodation removes that um, removes that reliance on you know, on having to having to pick the you know the right city or the right kind of sub market because the you know, the education institutions have got different strengths and appeal to different cohorts of students and different target markets. So you know, when you when you look at it in that way, um, you can you can materially de-risk your exposure by by understanding what the university's business model is and mm-hmm. adapt a solution that meets you know that meets um, that meets its challenge or its requirement. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. And earlier, Ryan, you you talked about um, the domestic market as well. I mean, there's a common perception that, you know, when you launch student accommodation products is that uh, international students are the principal driver of demand for uh, PBSA or student accommodation beds. Um, But you're seeing that it's, you know, domestic students, as you pointed out earlier, someone from WA might want to be, uh, you know, studying in interstate or maybe we might have a country Victoria uh, student who might want to come into the city, etc. So what are the sort of demand from domestic students and how are they now driving, you know, the, the sector um, as well, contributing to the growth of the sector? Yeah, look, I think, um, I think, and it's different, 
than probably the way you know the, the way I thought about going to university when I was you know when I was leaving school mm. and, and a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I look at, I look at the way my eldest daughter, who's doing year 12, thinks about her education opportunities. She has a list of, you know, she has a, a particular course in mind, and mm. she has a list of 13 universities around Australia that offer that course. And only one of those right. universities is in Melbourne, Victoria. So mm. you know, on her list is, is Newcastle University. On her list, are, you know, QUT and, and UQ. And mm. so, they're not constrained by mobility like perhaps we were psychologically kind of 20 or 30 years ago. And yes. so these students, these students are kind of actively mobile and, you know, and are looking for you know, an encapsulated solution. I think of, um, of the friends of mine who have got children that are going to university you know, out of, um, out of, Melbourne into Canberra, so ANU as a destination mm-hmm. university with a you know, with a real strength in some subject areas, um, it becomes attractive, if not competitive, to to secure a place there. So these students drive demand in these areas, mm-hmm. and what we've realised um, is is how to think about pricing product that we put into a market because students, um, you know. Uh, uh, they have an economic model all for themselves. And if you think about you know, how much uh, a student accommodation bed might cost, um, that's one part of what it costs to live in that particular environment. You know, yes. Depending on if it's catered or not catered, will give you a sense of you know, where the balance of any available free cash flow on a weekly or monthly basis is to you know, to attend university in a given area. So working backwards, you get you quickly get a sense of the price point to create a product based on a budget that a, that a typical student has, and you make some overriding assumptions about how many shifts they might get working at the local cafe or mm. you know, or in the local pub or whatever that might look like um, to get to get a sense of how that drives decisions for domestic students. Um, international students have a different, you know, have a have a different kind of economic driver, um, and depending on where the target market is or where those students are sourced from, depends on you know um, both in a cultural sense as well as an economic sense the kind of assets or the kind of opportunities they might be looking uh, to occupy from um, from a PBSA perspective. Mm. And we talked about now, I, I suppose, the, all of the sectors. Um, I wanted to now look at uh, the outlook um, going forward for the sector. Um, maybe we'll start with you, Simon. Where do you see, you know, the sector going uh, you know, in the year ahead or, or more than or beyond a year ahead? And what makes um, PBSA a compelling investment? Yeah, I mean I think we've uh, I think we've touched on a number of those those elements that that define yes. the opportunity in the sector um, as it relates particularly to that supply and demand piece. You know, when we look at the forward supply um, projections, there's between 2024 to 2026, I think it's just under 8,000 new beds um, right. mooted for for the sector. Now, that's that's well down in terms of um, new supply. So, you know, there's there were 20, over 20,000 delivered from 2018 to 2020 and 16,000 delivered from 2021 to 2023. We're talking about 7,000. Um, it's very over low. The next, it's very, very low. Um, 
And so I think that, again, uh, I think, and I think that talks to the fragmentation of ownership in the sector as well, um, which is where we see opportunity, right? We see dislocation in this market and where we see dislocation in markets, we see opportunity. So um, that's certainly very exciting for us and is going to be a, a key focus. Um, I think we're going to continue to see um, rental growth. I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to continue at the sort of rates that, that Ryan um, was talking about it uh, up at Hurston, where I think you were saying 15% uh, year on year. I think it'll probably um, stabilise, but we're still expecting that to be you know, in excess of 5% um, year on year, which makes it a, a very compelling uh, investment opportunity as, a, as an operational asset. And and the Aussie dollar being you know, continuing to be pretty cheap on a yes. um, relative global basis, you know, it makes that um, the investment in the sector, you know, highly compelling. So I, I think at this stage, obviously, we're, we're certainly hoping that these fundamentals continue. Um, we're hoping that, you know, that the opportunities will, will present themselves as well and, you know, that we can set ourselves up as a partnership over the next couple of years to, to deliver a significant um, uh, pipeline and, and create a portfolio that, can help alleviate some of that that stress on the on the housing market. Mm. Look, yeah, Simon Simon's done a pretty eloquent job of you know of covering you know what I think um, what I think will be a, a really strategically sustainable source of growth um, over the next uh, over the next five or ten years. You know, right. we've talked about the numbers you know, of beds that we're going to deliver. You know, n- not even coming close to kind of penetrating um, or taking the pressure off the private residential market that countries like the UK or the US have that that clearly do. You know, it does take the pressure off um, mm. because it's such an important segment of the Australian economy, I think we'll continue to see um, we'll continue to see support, you know, either by way of implied policy settings or you know by universities continuing to engage with um, with the international market. You know, and you know, and then I just think um, education is a you know is a great mobiliser. So as some of you know as some of the, our our near neighbours, Southeast Asia. Yes. Even into Latin America and so forth, up to China, continuing um, look to you know look to increase their levels of education. But as domestic students also continue to look at you know at um, university pathways, what we'll see is demand only increasing. And so you know I think we come to be delivering really considered high quality product into markets that are going to absorb it incredibly quickly. Mm. Absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, you mentioned earlier the the fact that the UK has a, a penetration rate of above 30, 40% and 6% only in Australia. So there's a lot of growth potential for sure uh, ahead for the sector. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, that was very informative, um, having you both here to discuss about the PBSA sector. Um, I thank you very much for joining me again and um, hope to see you both uh, and have you both back again on the Australian Property Journal Talking Property Podcast. Thank you very much, Justin. Appreciate it.